not just having a church service in here. You're not just going to hear a sermon. This is going to be an experience with the living God. This is going to be an experience with the Holy Spirit. So what you have to do uh, in the spirit right now is just say, Lord, I just open up my heart to receive this message. Would you pray that prayer? Would you say, Lord, I just opened up my heart to receive this message. I, I, I'm not too good to receive this message. I don't have it all together. I don't care how long you've been saved. I don't care if you're a pastor. I don't care what your title is. I don't care how good you think you are. You have to say, Lord, open up my, I open up my heart to receive this message. Because when we receive the word, we receive him. He and his word are connected. So. A servant, serpent, sir, a servant, servant, and we're going to sweep the house clean is the name of the message, sweeping the house clean. So God promises to live in those who love and obey him. So let's humbly open every room of our hearts to his holiness. Father, as I go into this message, God, I just leave myself way behind. I am nothing. I decrease in your sight. I decrease in the sight of these people. You are the Holy One. You are the pastor. You are the giver of this word. It's your word. You're the one that makes it alive. You're the one that brings it to life. Not me, God. I am just a servant's servant. So move Damien Tibbs out of the way. And may the Holy Spirit come upon me now with an anointing to preach and teach this message. And may they have an anointing to receive and apply it. And may freedom come in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We welcome you here to New Life Christian Ministries, God's church, God's house. We recently celebrated eight years as your pastors here. And praise God. Thank you. Thank you. And we know that number eight is a number of new beginnings. And this is the first message that I've preached in the eighth year. And I pray that this message marks a time of new beginning in every single one of us. Because how many need a fresh start? every day. We, we just need a fresh start. I don't want my relationship with God to grow stale. I want a fresh start. I want to constantly be in a state where he finds me acceptable. I want to be ready at all times. I want to be ready for the rapture and I want to be ready for my departure at all times. I don't want to ever be caught in between ready and getting ready. I just want to stay ready, right? I don't want to be in need of repentance. I want to be repentant, right? We want to always be in that condition in which we are ready to go because we don't know when it is time to go. So we know that God says that he will make a home out of us if we love him. And so we're going to start in John chapter 14, beginning in verse 21 through 24. And this is how God makes a house a home. It says, those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. Wow, look at that. A lot of people, they say they love God, but listen to what he says. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my father will love them. And I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. So who is this Jesus? If you desire a closer walk with Jesus, then the Bible says if you love him and obey his commandments, that he will love you and the Father will love you and he will reveal himself to you. Say this with me, church. Lord, reveal yourself to me. Let's look at verse 22 now. It says this, Judas 
not Judas Iscariot, but the other disciple with that name, said to him, Lord, why are you going to reveal yourself only to us and not to the world at large? Jesus replied, all who love me will do what I say. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that distractions would be nil right now, that every heart and every mind would be focused on every drop of water that this word releases. May no drops hit the floor. May no seeds fall upon stony ground. May every seed and every, every ounce of water from your word fall on our hearts today. May we stay focused in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus replied, all who love me will do what I say. My father will love them, and we will come make our home with each of them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I am telling you is from the Father who sent me. So what we learn here in this moment, church, is that our love causes the Lord to reveal himself. It draws him and the Father near. So when you're living a life that is obedient to God, it draws him closer and closer and closer to him. Uh, I've said this uh, a lot of times before, but here is the uh, scripture that backs it up that love, uh, obedience is God's love language, right? Obedience is God's love language. So as you live a life that's obedient to God, God finds that very attractive and he says, who is this that is obeying me? Who is this that's loving me? I'm going to come and make a house out of them. I'm going to come and live inside of them. So he promises church to make a home out of those who are obedient. Let's look at Romans 12 and 1. Let's look at Romans 12 and 1. It says this. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you. Paul is begging. I plead with you. Give your bodies, your physical bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. So give your bodies to God. Those of you that belong to this church, would it be okay on if Friday nights we took the drums out of there and we made a bar right there? And we, put, we kept liquor back there. And on Friday nights, we had in all kinds of worldly bands. And we sold tickets for them to come in and make money here, singing all kind of ungodly music. Would that be okay for you? No, no way, you say, because this is the house of God. But what Paul is saying is give your bodies to God. See, we want to have respect for this brick and mortar. But Paul is saying, I am begging you, give your body to God. Make it a place in which God lives. Make it a place that is holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. This is truly the way to worship him. So, since the scent of the sacrifice of your love has attracted God to you, give him your whole self as the sacrifice. So if God says to you, how much of you can I have? You must say, all of me. I'm going to ask you the question, church. How much of you can God have? All of me. All of me, right? And we have to live that way. We just can't say it with our mouth because the word says these people, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. So we worship God by giving him a holy place to live called us. 
we become the temples of God. And as a servant's servant, our houses become his living quarters, so it must be clean. So if we're going to say, God, I'm your servant and I love you, you must recognize that your body and your mind and your eyes, they become his living quarters. So we must ask him to cleanse us because we do not want to invite him into a house that is dirty or has any wickedness or evil inside. And the reason that we just came out of the series called Exercising Authority is because as we begin to go through the rooms of our lives and heart and find wickedness there, and sometimes we can even be accompanied by evil spirits desire to set up shop in us when we open doors for anger and bitterness and gluttony and all these things that might be active in our lives. So just as obedience attracts God to you, disobedience attracts the enemy. Do you hear what I'm saying? I hope you're learning. I hope the only reason you're, lear- you're quiet right now is because you're learning. So listen, the word of God can work in opposites as well. So do you hear me? So if obedience attracts heavenly hosts, if obedience attracts God, then disobedience will attract the enemy. It will attract evil spirits to us. And we've got to be very careful about that. So question for you, church. What preparations would you make if you had a very special guest coming to stay with you for a few days. And let's just say it's me. And I hope you can cook. All right. <laughs> let's just say it's me. Let's say you've got a room that you're going to give me uh, to sleep in for a few days because whatever's going on, okay, I need to come into your house. So hopefully there's some preparations that you begin to make. Hopefully you would, you would definitely begin to work on the visible things, right? You definitely begin to clean the dishes up, you know, and hopefully you change the sheets on the bed and maybe sweep that bedroom that I'll be sleeping in, right? So those visible things, sweeping the floor, uh, wiping off the counters. But then there's some invisible things. You love me. You love me. But there's some invisible things that you're not going to concern yourself with because you're like, he's not going to look there. I doubt very much that many of you would clean the top of your ceiling fan in the room that I'll be sleeping in. Because, ah, you know, I know I need to get to that, but it's not like the bottom's clean, right? He's not going to see the top of it. I doubt many of you would go under the bed, way, way under the bed, and get those dust bunnies from 2012 from under the bed and, and, and move those out of the way. I, I highly doubt that you'd move the refrigerator and mop under the refrigerator, move the stove, move the washer and dryer. Why? Because these things are very laborsome, right? And these things are places that most people don't go around and looking in. And what we must begin to recognize spiritually is that we've got to allow God to get into those places because those are the places where sin hides. Those are those dark areas where the mice and the spiders are. And and, and the mice and the spiders could be the, the demonic forces that are working against us where no light shines. Sometimes when someone comes over unexpectedly, right, if I were to show up to your house unexpectedly, 
There were some doors you'd close, wouldn't there? Like the bed, the bed's not made, so make sure let's close this door. Or this room's unorganized, so let's close this door. So church, what I'm here to tell you this morning is that there's some things that have happened to you in your life where you didn't get delivered in those rooms, you just closed the door. You said, Lord, forgive me for what happened in this room. Forgive me for this segment of my life. But let's just not dig too deep in that. Let's just uh, sanitize the surface. So let me show you something. So this is sanitizer, right? So let's just say I've preached all day. I've been sweating my heart out, right? I go outside and I clean up the dog's mess all over my yard and pull some weeds. I wouldn't be able to grab this sanitizer and just... I'm clean. Any of you moms out there, boy, if you don't get yourself in that shower, right? But church, let's just be real for a moment. Sometimes there's some sins in our lives that we just sanitize, right? So lust problems or bitterness or hatred, right? So in the moment when we commit the act, we're like, oh God, I sinned again. Lord, forgive me for doing that sin. And we sanitize the sin and say, okay, I'm clean now. But what we don't recognize is if we don't get the sin up by the root, that it's just going to keep happening again. You got to look at the sin cycles and say, God, I keep messing up in this area all over and over and over again. And the problem is we're not truly repenting, we're just sanitizing. We just feel bad in the moment that we committed the sin, and now we just want, we just want to get the guilt off in the moment. We don't want to deal with what's behind the door. Church, can you say behind the door? But today, we're going to ask God to take the door off the hinges and those addictions and those nasty thoughts we've been having and the cursing and, 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 and the alcoholism and the vaping and the tobacco and just all those sins of the flesh. We don't want to just sanitize when it happens anymore. We're saying, God, I want to be totally clean. If this is going to be the house that you live in, I want to welcome you into every room, even the rooms of my childhood. Even the rooms when I was molested or abused and God, I've asked you to forgive the people that hurt me, but still sometimes I live with that pain. That pain keeps reoccurring. I have nightmares or dreams or terrors and I, I sanitize those areas sometimes, but I haven't truly been delivered. So we must understand that salvation cleanses us of all sin and we're good at keeping things in the light and easy to reach places clean, but what about those hidden things? Sins we were forgiven of, but never received deliverance or healing from, so they keep reoccurring. What about those messy rooms in our hearts from our past and present? They have heavy pain there, and they got memories there, and it's just easier to close the door sometime. Those sins like adultery and fornication and divorce and abortion and murder and robbery and hatred and molestation. Sins that have all been forgiven but still left craters in our hearts, open sores and wounds. Mark 12, 30 tells us why we have to deal with all these things. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, and all your strength. Church, can you say all? 
Church, can you say all? All. He wants us to love him with all of our heart, even those rooms that are dark right now, even those rooms that are closed right now. Some of you haven't forgiven people from 30 years ago, that if you still see them, it still riles you up and you still get upset about it. I'm talking about those doors. I'm talking about that we want to be totally free uh, for Jesus Christ to explore every room and area of our heart so that when he comes back, not when he comes back, since when we invite him in our heart to have a home, there's no rooms that we say, Jesus, you can't go there. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that as I uh, deliver this message, that shame would leave right now in Jesus' name. Because statistics say that there's people in this room that are addicted to pornography right now. Statistics say that there's people in this room that are addicted to chemical substances right now. Statistics say that there are people in this room, Father God, who have bitterness and anger in their hearts, even at their parents still. There's some things our parents did to us that we did not understand that we hold against them to this day. And I'm asking that those things would surface, God, so that you could deliver us by my, your mighty hand and by your mighty love and by your mighty name, Jesus. And in your name we pray. Amen. Ezekiel 6, verses 8 through 12, say this. Now remember, if I were to come to your house and stay, there's probably some rooms you probably would not allow me to go in, right? I got no business in the shed, really, so why would I clean the shed? Pastor's definitely not going to the attic or the basement, so why would I clean those areas? But we're going to see an account in the Bible where there was something going on in a very holy place. So don't you think that just because you've asked Jesus to forgive you of all of your sins, that you can't have some areas of struggle still, that you say, Lord, I need some deliverance in some areas that I'm, that I'm tired of holding on to. So you're his holy place now, but let's go back to the Old Testament and look at a holy place. Place that definitely needed some work of God to be done, but it was a hidden place. It was a holy place, but there were some hidden places, and that's what we're asking God to clean in our lives this morning is the hidden places so that we might all be holy. Ezekiel chapter 8, beginning in verse 8, says this. He said to me, now son of man, dig into the wall. What did he dig into? The wall. So I dug into the wall and found a hidden doorway. Go in, he said, and see the wicked and detestable sins that, are, that are, they are committing in there. So I went in and saw the walls covered with engravings of all kinds of crawling animals and detestable creatures. I also saw the various idols worshipped by the people of Israel. Seventy leaders of Israel were standing there with Jehazani, son of Shaphan, in the center. Each of them held an incense burner from which a cloud of incense rose above their heads. Then the Lord said to me, Son of man, have you seen what the leaders of Israel are doing with their idols in dark rooms? They are saying the Lord doesn't see us. He has deserted our land. So church, there was evil happening even in God's temple. So although the presence of God was very strong in that place, there were some hidden sections there that detestable things were happening inside of. So the reason that we're doing this church is because we don't just want to be clean on the surface. We want to be clean both inside and out. Can you say amen to that? We don't want to just appear righteous, church. We want to be righteous. So we're going to say, God, I humble myself 
and I opened up every hidden room, and I asked for you to come in and bring deliverance to me. Sweep the house clean. So, although God's presence was there, it was a place that was operated by men just like our bodies. So, as a servant's servant, the master... As we begin this loving relationship with him, he's going to want access to all of our hearts. He wants love even from the broken places, the dark places, and the sin-prone places. So we've got to be able to say some things. We've got to be able to say, Lord, if you want me to love you from there, you'll have to heal me there. Church, can you say this with me? Lord, if you want me... Can I get everybody to say this? Lord, if you want me to love you from there, you'll have to heal me there. Come on. Lord, I'm broken in some areas. These are some dark spaces. But Lord, if you want, my, if you want me to love you from these areas of my heart and life, you're going to have to heal me there. Before my, my wife's grandfather passed away, um, he was against our marriage because we are different colors, right? So he did not come to the wedding. Uh, we were not invited over for Christmas. We did not get gifts. We could not go to the Christmas dinner. None of that stuff because he was a very racist man at the time. And then the Lord told me after he had a heart attack one day, go visit him at the hospital. I had never met him before. I had never been face to face with him any time in my life. And the Lord said, go visit him at the hospital. But before you go, I want you to stop and get a greeting card. So I stopped and got a greeting card, and inside the card, I wrote this. I said, I apologize for not being the grandson that I knew to be. And I took it up there, and I gave it to him, and I prayed for him, and I left. And I got a phone call not later from my mother-in-law saying, that really broke something. That really did something to his heart. And he wants to meet you now. And that year, I got Christmas presents from him. I got to go to Old Barn out back and get some of that. Okay, let me chill. All right. So, we have to understand that sometimes we're going to be part of another person's deliverance even after they hurt us. Man, that's heavy, right? But not too heavy for Jesus. So that's why we got to be willing to say, God, I don't want any racism to grow in me. Racism could have grew in me because of what he was doing to me. And God was saying, I want to make sure I keep your heart pure. So I want you, me, I want you to go visit him. I don't want you to go show him love because I want his soul too. So do you have any hidden places? Are there people that God's trying to send you to and say, you need to go ask them for forgiveness? Well, God, I didn't do anything to them. They hurt me. I need you to go. I live in you. You're my representative. So this is what we're talking about, God. We want you to live in every room of our hearts. We don't want the enemy to be able to set up shop anywhere. So the other thing that we must be willing to say is this. Why just be free if we can be free indeed? And why just have life if we can have life more abundantly? Amen? 
Let's bow our heads for a moment. I want to pray this over us. Father, uh, Psalm 61 says this, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me, talking about Jesus, to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted and proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of prison to those who are bound. So Lord, may we humble ourselves at your throne of grace right now and admit that we are poor, we are brokenhearted, we are captives, and we are bound. We are not perfect. Not a one of us in here can say that we are without sin. Not a one of us in here can say that we are without sin. Because the Bible says if anyone says that they are without sin, they are a liar. So, Lord, may the truth be in us in this moment. And we confess to our sin and we say, free us from repetitive sinning. Free us from strongholds of the enemy. Free us, God, because you are the one, the only one who can set the captives free. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Church, can you say amen? So the first thing we must do in order to allow the Lord to come inside of our hearts, every room, right? Every room, because we've got some rooms in here uh, called pride sometimes. We've got some rooms in our heart called lust. We've got some rooms in our heart called offense, all kinds of rooms. And it's not good enough to just have the room empty. It has to not just be empty. It has to be filled with his presence as well. But the first thing we must begin to do, church, is humble ourselves. Psalms 24, 3 through 10 says this, Who may climb the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in this holy place? Only those whose hands and hearts are pure, who do not worship idols and never tell lies, they will receive the Lord's blessing. So, Father, I thank you uh, for what Jim did with Christian by calling him up and saying, you know what? It's okay. We all fall sometimes, we all fall short sometimes, but you got to just keep back, keep getting back up and keep going towards God. So Father, I thank you that not an ounce of condemnation will be on this message at all, not one ounce, God, but only the conviction of your Holy Spirit asking you to purify our hearts in Jesus' name, amen. Let's keep going here. They will receive the Lord's blessings and have a right relationship with God, their Savior. Such people may seek you and worship in your presence, O God of Jacob. Now listen to this part. Open up ancient gates. Open up ancient doors. We're talking to our hearts, right? Some of that stuff is ancient. Some of that stuff happened in childhood. Some of that stuff happened in your first marriage. Some of that stuff happened last year. Some of that stuff is still happening. And it's saying, open up ancient gates. Open up ancient doors. And let, church, you say, and let. And let the king of glory enter. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord invincible in battle. Open up ancient gates. Open up ancient doors. And let the king of glory enter. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of heaven's armies. And he is the king of glory. And my question for you, church, as we begin to humble ourselves is this. Are we really to prepare to open up every day, gate and every door and let the king come in? Right? Or would you say, ah, ah, wait a minute, I've got to clean up some stuff in here before you can come in my lust room, God. Wait, wait, I've got to clean up some stuff before you can come into my offense room, God. I've got to clean this room, God, before you can come in here. But no, church, 
please, that's a trick of the enemy to make you think that you can clean it yourself. You can't clean it yourself because the towel that you will clean it with is filthy already. For the word of God says that our righteousness is as filthy rags. So you can't clean it. If you made the mess, you cannot clean it. And even if somebody else made the mess, they cannot clean it. That's why we've got to say, king of glory, come in. You can't clean it yourself. He will clean it. My, my brother that just gave his life to the Lord, Marlon, the enemy, enemy may have given him some thoughts today or this week saying, oh, man, don't go to church yet, man. You need to get your life clean before you get to church. And his life was clean during worship service. God saved him. There was no altar call. The Lord came to him and saw his heart posture and said, this man's heart is ready for me now. I could have said, Lord, it's not time for the altar call. He said, that man is ready for salvation right now. I want to begin a new work in his life right now because his heart was open for him. He said, you know what? King of glory, come in. Church, will you say this with me? King of glory, glory. come in. in. That's so important. Revelations 3.20 says this. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in. And we will share a meal together as friends. So the Lord stands and knocks on some of those doors. Those doors that we sneak into when no one's watching. Right? And then we sneak out of those rooms and we, oh, Lord, I'm so sorry for doing it again. I did it again, Lord. Please forgive me in Jesus' name. Amen. Then you keep going on about your life. But then when no one's looking, back to the door, hiding, involved in that sin again, leave the room, sanitize. But what we're looking for is to swing that door wide open and say, Lord, I repent of, 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 of having this room in my life. I don't want the lust room anymore. I don't want the anger room anymore. I don't want the grief room anymore. King of glory, enter into this room. I, I humble myself before you. Forgive me not just for the sin, but forgive me for the pleasure that I've been having in the sin. Because if there was no pleasure in the sin, we wouldn't keep going back into those rooms. Is anyone learning anything today? Raise your hand if you're learning something today. Raise your hand if this this message is resonating with you, all right? So we're going to say, Lord, I don't even want the room anymore. It's not good enough to just not drink alcohol for a week. I want to be totally, I want it broken in my life. I don't want that room to exist in my heart anymore. It's not good enough to just not sin under our own power because we still own the room. We've got to be willing to say, Lord, I want you to have this room and sanctify it and redecorate it and use it for your glory now. Lord, I'm done with this room. I want you to have it. You set up shop in here, God. What is your desire for this place in my heart? Because we must remember that our hearts have only so many chambers. So then, what is the goal of every believer as it relates to our relationship with Christ? Why why is the Lord so passionately bringing you this message from his servant today? What is the true goal? Galatians 2.20. Church, can you say Galatians 2.20? If you're writing things down, write down Galatians 2.20. This is the goal of today's message. This is the goal of being a servant's servant. This is the goal of having the Holy Spirit live inside of us and not giving our body to, to, to wickedness anymore. This is the goal. 
I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So we must humble ourselves so that we can be rid of ourselves so that the Lord might come in and we lay this life down so that he can live it. Church, I want you to know this. Anytime you're in control of your heart or life, sin is going to enter because you're not perfect, but he is. So instead of you having dominion over your heart, that's why we say, Lord, I have been crucified with you. It's not even me who lives in here anymore. It's you. And how do we accomplish that, church? We accomplish it by faith. But we have to understand this, that there are some things we cannot easily clean out or surrender and there we will find areas of bondage, those struggles that we can't easily overcome. Some of you are always wrestling with depression, always wrestling with self-hate, not feeling good enough. Maybe uh, you, you see there's some things that happen to you that still, that still echo throughout your life. If you're rejected or if you, if you went through a divorce as a child uh, and your parents divorced, like there's these, these traumas and these pains that can happen to you where the enemy desires to set up shop and have your hurt. Man, this is good. Don't let the enemy have your hurt. Don't let the enemy have your trauma because he'll make, he'll set up shop there and he'll begin to express himself there when we want to be delivered and we want God to even have the bad parts of us. We all want to present the good parts of us to God, but he wants even the ugly parts and the broken parts and the sinful parts as well. In John chapter 5, verses 1 through 9, Jesus heals a man, and he says something to him that was very important after he healed him. He found him later on, and he says this. He says, I'm sorry, we're, we're in John 5, 1 through 9, uh, and this is the story of the lame man. And the angels used to come down and trouble the water, but this man said, I have no one to put me in when the water is troubled. So he said to Jesus, I can't. Church, can you say, I can't? I can't. Man, Jesus asked him this. Would you like to get well? And in verse 7, he says, I can't, sir, for I have no one to put me in the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else gets there before me. Jesus told him, stand up. Pick up your mat and walk. Church, can you say this again? I can't. I can't. Those two words can mark the beginning of your deliverance. When you're finally willing to say, there's some things I've been trying to beat. There's some things I've been struggling with, but I'm I want to be whole, but I can't. I can't. And at the moment that this man says, I can't, Jesus says, rise up pick up your bed and walk, and he does it. Church, I want you to know, those things that you've been struggling with, if you're willing to say, Lord, I've been trying to be healed on my own. See, this man was counting on other people, but this time he had the opportunity to count on the Lord. Say this with me, church, this time, this time I, will count I will count on the Lord. On the Lord. Okay, we give him our I can't. All right, so church, are you willing to humble yourself and receive your healing and deliverance? It begins with your humility. 
The man said, I can't get myself in the water. So you've got to be willing to say, I can't get myself out of lust. I can't get myself out of anger. I can't get myself out of unforgiveness. I have tried. I can't get myself out of racism. I can't get myself out of sickness. I can't get myself out of poverty. I have tried. And allow the Lord to say, rise up and walk. Rise up and walk. What we must be careful of moving forward, church, is this. 1 Corinthians 10, 12, it, 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 it sends a direct blow to pride because pride is one thing that will keep those doors in your heart locked and not even Jesus, you're willing to not even give Jesus a key to that room because you're full of pride. Oh, this message isn't for me. I don't have any hang-ups. There's nothing wrong with me. I'm good. Well, what about door number three? Oh, forget about door number three, right? I've asked for forgiveness for door number three. And he's a merciful God. And um, he removes my sin as far as the east is from the west. The problem is door number three isn't as far as the east is from the west. Door number three is very accessible to you all the time. And since door number three is accessible, you find yourself behind door number three all the time, still walking under the power of the influences of this world and, and, and all the sin that comes along with it. So we've got to be careful. First Corinthians 10, 12 says this. Therefore, let the one who thinks he stands firm, immune to temptation, being overconfident and self-righteous, take care that he does not fall into sin and condemnation. Ephesians 4.27 says this, nor give place to the devil. So we're not even supposed to give place to the devil. There should be no rooms in our heart in which he can live and operate and function. We don't give him a place at all. And who among you would have thought that the apostle Peter had a place in his heart where the enemy could come in? This is the one that said, you are the Messiah, Jesus. This is the one that Jesus said, Peter, upon this rock I build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. This is the apostle Peter. But yet he had a room in his heart that the enemy could come in and express himself through. Let's go to Matthew chapter 16, 20, 21 through 24. Uh, Kimberly, can you, are you good? Yep. All right. <laughs> All right, listen to this. Right now, I'm preaching against pride. Right now, I'm, letting, I'm, I'm saying to every single one of you, me included, don't you dare think that you can't have a room in which the enemy can come in and show out in, okay? And here's what, here's what the word says. From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem, that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He will be killed, but on the third day he will be raised from the dead. But Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said, this will never happen to you. Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Peter. Is that what he said? No. What did he say? Get away from me who? Satan. Get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. 
You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you want to be my followers, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. So how did Satan enter Peter? Jesus tells us right after the rebuke. Peter sees things through the eyes of his own desires and not God's. He had not given up all of his ways to God, which gave a place for the enemy. So what will happen if we don't give up all of our ways to God? Church, sometimes we can have these, we can be saved, right? And this can be God's house, but we can still have some open windows. Remember, the temple was God's holy place. And if he did not have the man of God poke a hole in the wall and dig deeper and find the hidden door and find that abomination that was going on in the temple, it would have still been going on. So listen, church, sometimes we can have some open windows. So, so one of the reasons I don't like to eat outside ever is because it invites flies. Like, man, if you have me over for a picnic, I'll eat mine in, inside. Right? I do not want to deal with flies because there's some things in this world that attract flies. And what you have to understand is that there's some activities, some patterns, some thoughts that we have that attracts the enemy. It attracts, it attracts demonic forces. Romans 7.21 says this, I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. So wherever there's a desire to do good, evil is always hanging around wanting its say-so. 2 Timothy 1 and 7 says this, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So, if God doesn't give us a spirit of fear or any others, then how do they enter? It's when we abandon the power, love, and self-discipline that the Holy Spirit gives us. The Bible says that Jesus came to destroy the works of Satan. So church, we do not allow our bodies to be used to gratify the devil. Listen closely to these verses. John 8:44 says this, You are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. So that lets us know that there are times when the devil desires his will to be done through us. And if we give our bodies over to sin, that's exactly what happens. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own. Help me, Holy Spirit. For he is a liar and the father of it. Romans 6.13 says this. Do not. We're talking about a clean house right now. Romans 6.13 says this, do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Galatians 5.19-21 lets us know what happens when we open the door for evil and we allow the, the, the Satan and his power to come upon us to do disgusting things, right? He can't force us to do things, but if we don't have a will to obey, there's a power out there that will help you disobey. And it says this, when you follow the desires
desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, so as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. So church, just as love opens the door for God's habitation, sin and lust do the same for the enemy. So if your heart is full of sin and lust, then the enemy wants to make a house out of you. But if you are willing to serve and love God, God is willing to make a house out of you. So who do we give our house to? You give your house to whoever you give your body to. If you give your body to God, it becomes his house and you serve him and you worship him with your body and you obey him with this body. But if you disobey God, then you give your body to the devil and it becomes a house in which he operates in and his lust come alive, comes alive. Jesus told uh, Abel at the beginning, he said, be careful, sin crouches at the door and his desire is to destroy you, but he did not allow, he did not allow himself to be uh, on guard against sin and Yes, it was him that, that committed that first murder, but it was really the spirit of Satan. It was really the devil that got in him, and he got the devil got a hold of his anger. Do you hear what I'm saying? That if you don't give your body to righteousness, if you don't allow God to live in you, then when your emotions are stirred up, then your body will be possessed by those feelings of, of anger. But the Bible says this, be angry and what? Sin not. But if you give your anger to the enemy, you're going to have to sin. Because that, that's, the, that, that's the, the power that is at work in the children of disobedience in this world. If you guys could just be patient with me for a little bit longer, we're going to see some deliverance happen in this place. Okay? So, love is a desire to obey. While lust is a desire to disobey. And when you live in disobedience to God and you begin to make your house a house of sin, you begin to use your eyes and your hands to sin, you open up yourself to so much wickedness and evil. There's, there's, this, there's these spirits called a spirit of divination. And if you, if you mess with fortune telling and if you mess with uh, horoscopes, and if you mess with crystals and, and all that kind of stuff, you, you got to understand that there's a power. Oh, hallelujah. There is a power that they're tapping into to get this information. You, 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 we don't read horoscopes. We read the word of God. You, you can't give your eyes and your mind and yourself to these things. And if the Holy Spirit comes upon you while I'm preaching and there's some things you need to repent of, just begin to repent of them now. If you've ever read horoscopes or been to a fortune teller or, or tarot cards or any of that stuff, it's got to go in the name of Jesus Christ. Every spirit that is entered. There are familiar spirits, right? Uh, yoga. Christians have no business doing yoga. You can do regular stretches. That stuff is to different gods that they're posing to. So when you open yourself up to yoga, you open yourself up to demonic powers and forces as well, right? So familiar spirits, you've got to be careful of. Uh, when you're people, the, the peeping Tom and, and, and when you go to mediums and all that kind of stuff, there's a spirit of jealousy. 
And the manifestations can be murder and revenge and rage and hatred and envy. There's lying spirits. There's perverse spirits, right? That, that, that's where you have your pornography and, and filthy mind and uh, abuse and abortion. There's spirits of haughtiness. Uh, that, that causes pride in an individual, right? That causes them that there to be strife and, and, and self-deception and self-righteousness. There's spirits of heaviness, like when you've been grieving for far too long, when someone's died and the mourning is, is way longer than it should be because even the Lord says, how long will you mourn for Saul? So when we mourn for too long, we, we got to be careful of leaving ourselves open that long. Spirits can come in of heaviness, uh, insomnia, sorrow, and grief. Grief. There's spirits of whoredoms and spirits of infirmity, deaf and dumb spirits, spirits of er error. All these things, see, we think we're just having a good time. The enemy presents sin to you as, oh, it's just fun, I'm just having a good time. But the whole time, he's downloading all kinds of demonic powers into us through the sin. Oh, I like this music. It's just, I like the beat of it. But the whole time, you don't know that this artist has sold his soul to the devil. And they're worshiping the devil through the song, but they just dress it up and make it sound cute. But as you sing the song and get the words in your heart, all it is is giving honor to Satan, the wicked one. So what must we do, church? We've got to recognize that in our hearts, there are inner chambers that need cleaned. Proverbs 4.23 says this, watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the springs of life. If lust has a room in your heart and you've committed sexual sins and continue to, then you may have company in there. If an offense has a room in your heart and you're still bitter and unforgiving, then you may have company there. People should not be experiencing what you've been through in the past if you've guarded your heart. So there can be rooms in us that God does not control, even when it comes to diabetes, okay? So I'm a type 2 diabetic, which means that it's a disease of choice. Ooh, did he say that? Yep. My type 2 diabetes is a disease of choice. Well, how do you explain that, Pastor? Because the doctors have told me, science has said, well, first of all, God takes away, he can heal me of every disease, but I'm causing this disease sometimes. Why? Because I shouldn't be eating donuts and pasta and all this kind of stuff that makes my blood sugar go crazy and then just sit on the couch and do nothing, right? The Bible says if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat, right? So uh, uh, food is not for pleasure, it's to give us strength for the day. But when it becomes pleasure to us, spirits of gluttony can overcome us, right? Now I want some people, I don't want you convicted, I want you free in here. Don't get mad at me, get free, right? When we're not in control of our diets, right, then something's driving it. Come on now, get free. You know, and I know, I'm preaching at me, that's why I'm so mad, right, that there's times I go in that kitchen and eat, and I'm not even hungry. So what is that then? What, what have I opened myself up to? Gluttony. Spirits of gluttony. 
And I've got to say, Lord, help me. Come on, go into this gluttony room, God. It's one of my favorite rooms. I, I just love snacking because food, is, food becomes your medicine. Food becomes that thing that makes you feel good. When Jesus says, give me that room, I'll make you feel good. You don't need to destroy your temple by overeating because you just want the dopamine from eating something. Let me be your pleasure. So that's the ultimate weight loss. Losing weight is not just about losing pounds. It's about losing the demonic spirits of gluttony as well. Because if we're not even hungry, you're telling me that there's something that can overpower my, my natural system to where my body is not even sending signals of being hungry, but still there's something in my mind saying, eat that means my body is out of order. Something is in my temple that should not be there. And we've got to say, Lord, help me clean this room. Because some of us, when we're depressed, we eat. Should have prayed, but we ate. Some of us, when we're bored, we eat. Should have gotten the word, but we ate. So there's something driving us towards food, driving us towards overeating that is not of God. But are you willing to humble yourself in this moment and say, God, I need help with this overeating? Because the truth is, if I would, if I would eat less sugar and less carbs, I would not need insulin. That's type two diabetic. Type one diabetic, your, your pancreas produces no insulin, so you need the insulin. But a type two diabetic means your body does produce insulin, but just not enough to, to, to compete with your craziness. Not enough to compete with five donuts and, and a lasagna and then sitting on the couch. Your body's like, I can't, I can't produce enough. You need to go for a walk. Now, I know some of this is silly because I'm not trying to be too hard on you, but we've got to recognize that there can be something in our rooms, something hiding in our rooms of our heart that is, that is, that is pulling the strings on our hunger, and it's not God. And if it's not God, then what is it? If you've got anger issues, and it's not God making you flare up and, and yell at people and blow the horn and half cuss people out, then, then who's controlling that? Where is that coming from? We need to be set free, church. It's so important to humble ourselves and, and receive that. Let's stand to our feet this morning. I close with this. Now that we've recognized that we can have these hidden hearts, hidden places and spaces in our hearts that the enemy is occupying, church, don't be mad, be free. Come on, don't be mad, be free. Don't, don't be ashamed, be free. Don't be offended, be free. Don't be in fear, be free. Be free in Jesus' name. Because who the Son sets free is free indeed. Now, there's those of you that are in this room, you know that you've got those doors in your heart still. Some of you visited those doors before church. Some of you visited them last night. And in order to walk in this building and in order to sing on the praise team or in order to preach the message, this is what you do. Man, I know I sinned last night and tomorrow I got to preach or tomorrow I got to uh, be on the worship team or tomorrow I got to uh, usher or whatever. And I don't want to go in the house dirty. So I just sanitize those sins from last night. But the room is still there. 
And the problem with having a room is after you've done what you do for the Lord in here, it's easy to go back to those rooms because nobody's watching and nobody's around. But I declare in the name of Jesus Christ that the King of glory can come into all those rooms in which we open the door, the ancient doors for. I want you to hear this. Matthew 12, 43 through 45 says this. Now when the unclean spirit has gone out of a man, it roams through waterless, dry places in search of rest, but it does not find it. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it arrives, it finds the place unoccupied, swept, and put in order. Then it goes and brings with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself. And they go in and make their home there. I told you, just like God can make a home in us, Satan and evil spirits can try to make a home out of us as well. And the last condition of that man becomes worse than the first. So it will also be with this wicked generation. So church, just give me a few more minutes because I got to tell you the final step. We need to be swept. We need to be in order. And then we need to be filled. Because what happened with this man? The evil spirits went out of him. He repented of it. So he was swept and in order, but he was empty. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We don't want to just be forgiven of our sin. We don't want the room to just be clean. We want to give over ownership to the room. We don't want the enemy, we just don't, we just don't want the enemy out. We want God in. So here's how we do that. To be in authority, church, you must be under authority. James 4 and 7 says, so humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. So listen, I'm not preaching anymore. I'm instructing. This is divine instruction. So those of you that desire to be free right now from those things, just do what I say as the word of God is leading us right now. All right? Father, everyone that wants to be free right now, I thank you that freedom is about to come. And freedom has a name, and his name is Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, we ask that you not only forgive us of our sins, but Lord, we open these ancient gates, and we open these ancient doors, and we say, King of glory, come in and put Satan under our feet and evict him from our lives and sanctify our bodies and fill us with your presence in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, listen, church. You're going to pray this. And you're going to do this in the spirit so you can close your eyes as we go through this process because we're going to evict the enemy and then we're going to ask God to fill us with himself. So, right. So here we go. So the Bible says, first, we got to humble ourselves before God. So that means that none of us are going to stand here or sit here and act like there's nothing wrong with us and there's nothing that we struggle with. So you're going to humble yourself and say, God, forgive me. There are definitely things I've been struggling with. I humble myself to you, God. Here I am. Then the Bible says that we are to resist the devil and he will flee from us. 
Hebrews 4.16 says, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. So that's where you're walking right now in the spirit. You're headed to the throne of God. Come boldly to the throne of our glorious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. So the first step, church, is that we need to repent. And to repent means to turn and hate the sin more than you've desired the pleasure. Come on, you got to begin to pray and say, God, help me to hate this sin. I don't, I don't want to like this sin anymore. I don't want to enjoy this sin anymore. Lord, help me to hate this sin. And Lord, I want you to point out any sin that's in me that I don't recognize in myself and help me to hate it with the same passion that you hate it with, Lord. Psalms 51 and 4 tells us what repentance sounds like. It says, against you and you alone have I sinned, and I have done what is evil in your sight. So that's something that you can tell the Lord right now. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. Job 2, 12, Joel 2, 12 through 13 tells us this. That is why the Lord says, turn to me now while there is time. Pride, go in Jesus' name. Turn to me now while there is time. Give me your hearts. Come with fasting, weeping, and mourning. Don't tear your clothing in your grief, but tear your hearts instead. Return to the Lord your God, for he is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He is eager to relent and not punish. So let repentance come into this house right now. Just begin to repent and say, Lord, forgive me for this sin and this sin. Say, Lord, show me the sin in my life that I need to repent of, God. Please show me. I want to see it. I want my heart to be a pure place. I want my heart to be a place that is holy where you live in, God. Leave no stone unturned, God. Go all the way back to my past, God. Forgive me of all of my sins, and I repent. I turn away from this wicked act. I see this as wicked, and I'm turning away from it right now in Jesus' name. The next step, church, we have to do is we have to renounce, renounce the sin. That is to formally declare one's abandonment of it. So that sin that you were uh, involved in, you begin to renounce it. So you say, you can say, I, I just renounce lust now in Jesus' name. I want no part of lust. I renounce bitterness. I renounce jealousy. I renounce anger. I renounce hatred. I renounce overeating. I renounce racism. I renounce whatever it is. I renounce my anger against my parents. Whatever that sin was, now just begin to renounce that thing because the, the, the king of glory is about to walk in, but we're making space for him right now because we don't love this sin anymore. We hate this sin, and now we're renouncing the very thought of the sin. We renounce it now in Jesus' name. 2 Corinthians 4, 1 through 2 says this, Therefore, since God in his mercy has given us his new way, we never give up. We reject or we renounce all shameful deeds and underhanded methods. We don't try to trick anyone or distort the word of God. We tell the truth before God and all who are honest know this. So Lord, we just renounce all those sins, God 
that we've been committing. We renounce the sins of our past, the sins of our ancestors, the sins of our bloodline, God. We just renounce it and we say, Satan, you don't have a home in us anymore. Our bodies are not for wickedness. Our bodies are not for evil. Our bodies are not a house for the enemy. Our bodies belong to God. We present our bodies to God as living sacrifices in this moment. So, Lord, I thank you that we are confronting and tearing down the strongholds right now. And we're breaking oaths and we're breaking curses against ourselves. If you've ever if you've ever said something against yourself, it's time to renounce and repent of it now. If you say stuff like I'm stupid or I'm no good or I'm ugly or I'll never be this or I'll never be that. Start repenting right now and say, Lord, forgive me for cursing up myself. Forgive me for, for saying I'm not good enough. Forgive Forgive me, hallelujah, forgive me for allowing the enemy to get into my mind and making me curse myself. Forgiving me for saying I'll always be poor or I'll always be single or I'll always be any of these things, God, that you don't want from me. If I have come into agreement with the enemy in anything in my life, I renounce it and reject it, Lord, and I repent of it now in the name of Jesus. We, we, we say that we are free from any idle words that we have spoken over ourselves. We are free. Forgive us for any curses that we put on anyone else. Anytime we said, I hate somebody, God, forgive us for saying that. Forgive us for saying that we hate this person or we don't like this person, God, that you created. Forgive us, God. We're cleaning house today, Lord. We're cleaning house. We're cleaning house, God. Bring it back to our memory. If we ever said we hated a teacher or we hated a boss or we hated a neighbor, forgive us, God. Hallelujah. 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 Cleanse us, oh God. Cleanse us, God. We, we repent, God. We turn from our wicked ways. Forgive us, God. If any of us have ever cheated an employer, God, forgive us. Cheated on our taxes, forgive us cheated someone out of what we owed them, forget, forgive us. Borrowed something from a creditor and never paid it back, forgive us, God. Forgive us for all of our evil, God. And we break the stronghold of it so that it cannot return in our lives. We break the stronghold of it. We bind up the strong man of it now in Jesus' name so it cannot return in our lives. The Bible says that we should not give space to the enemy. John 5, 13 through 14 says this, this, the man didn't know for Jesus had disappeared from the crowd. But afterward, Jesus told him in the temple, found him in the temple and told him, now you are well, so stop sinning or something even worse may happen to you. So, Father, as we renounce and repent of these sins, we thank you that you are filling us with your Holy Spirit. Church, can you say this with me? Father, I have repented and renounced these sins. I have opened the doors, the windows, and the gates to let the King of glory come in. Now, Father, wash me with your blood. Wash me with your word and fill me with your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Our final step, the Bible says that if we submit ourselves to God, resist the devil, that he will flee from us. And we have the power to cast him out. 
Mark 16, 17 says this, these miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. Church, say, I believe. I believe. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name, and they will speak in new languages. So, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we have repented of our sins, and we have renounced them, and we have asked that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. We have submitted ourselves to God. We have resisted the devil, and now your word says he must flee from us. So, in the name of Jesus Christ, every foul spirit, every evil spirit that is in us hiding or unwelcome, that is around us, that is influencing us, that is trying to control us. You have no power over us, for we are the children of the Most High God. We belong to God and no one else. These bodies are His temple and His dwelling places. You will not, you will not manipulate us anymore. You will not convince us to do things that we truly don't desire to do. So Lord, take the lust out of us that they are attracted to, and may they be sent to the pit of hell in Jesus' name. You have no more place in us. Satan, we resist you in the name of Jesus Christ, and we command that you leave now. You have no more power. You have no more territory. The blood of Jesus Christ comes against you. Our whole hearts and whole lives belong to you. We take up the sword of the Spirit in our hands right now, and we cut down the lies of the enemy now. Every lie that, the, that we've been believing, we cut it to pieces now in Jesus' name. We won't always have these problems. We won't always have these issues. We cut them off now. Now, in Jesus' name, no power. You have no power and you have no right to the children of God. You have no legal right over us. We have repented and we have turned to our God and we have given him our whole lives. And Father, for that we say thank you. And now we are going to be filled Colossians 3.2 says this. This is what we do from this moment forward, church. Set your minds on things above, not on things of the earth. So just like a thermostat, you set your mind to heavenly things. If you put the temperature on worldly things, that invites mess into your life again. That invites lust into your life again. So set the thermometer of your mind to mind of Christ. Set your affections and your thoughts on things above. The next thing we do is John 7, 38. It says, anyone who believes in, my, believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. Can you put your hand on your heart this morning and declare this? Rivers of living water flow from my heart continually into every space. In Jesus' name, amen. The next thing we do, church, Ephesians 5, 25 through 27 says that for husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. So that's why you got to read your Bible all the time, church. You've got to keep reading your Bible because it washes you. Right? He gave to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing 
of God's word. So stay in your word. Don't just sanitize yourselves. Get into the word of God. The word does deep cleansing. So we must stop sanitizing the surfaces of our sin and let the word be hidden in our hearts like David said, so that I might not sin against you. We got a couple more. Hebrews 10.22 says this. Let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Say this with me, church. The blood of Jesus Christ has washed me inside, and his water has washed me outside. All right. Romans 12 and 2 tells us to not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So you must know this, church, the evil of this world will try to contaminate your mind, and it must be daily renewed, right? Jeremiah 18, 1 through 6 talks about the potter and the clay. So you must be willing to say, Lord, if I'm not in your image, I give you permission to put me back onto the wheel, to begin to shape me again into the the person of God and temple of God you desire for me. So we have to say this, Lord, start over with me again and again and again. Start over with me. Finally, Job 23 and 10 says, But he knows where I am going, and when he tests me, I will come out as pure gold. So you must know that the fiery trials that you go through, church, it just cleanses you of impurities. It's not that God is mad at you or he's forgotten you. It's sometimes that he just has to turn a fire up in your life to cleanse you of some impurities that we've allowed to get in. And then Matthew 5 and 8 tells us this, and here's where we close. First, let's give God praise for what he just did for us. Here's why we did all of that. Man, this was a long message, Pastor. I know, but eternity's longer. And we we just had to get through this business so that we could end in this place. Listen to this last scripture. Matthew 5 and 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Church, say this with me. Lord, I thank you for the blessing of a pure heart. And I decree on this day, in Jesus' name, that I will work to allow you to do your work in me. Holy Spirit, seal me until the day of redemption to present me faultless before my king. I thank you, Lord, for a pure heart that I might see you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God some praise. I'm going to 